You are listening to Myth Behaving, a podcast with a little bit of attitude on the literary world. Won't you come Myth Behave with us? Hello, hello, and welcome to Myth Behaving. This is episode number 14 of Myth Behaving, and we're recording on Sunday afternoon, June 30th. I'm Mara Wilson, and I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Carla Clifton. Hi, Carla. How are you today? I tell you what, I'm doing pretty doggone good now that I have air conditioning. Uh, my air conditioner went out over yesterday about noon and didn't get fixed till about 1 today. And y'all all know that I live in southeast Texas, and it was like 105 degrees in the humidity. And so anyway, doing pretty doggone good now. And well, hello, listeners, and each myth-behaving show features a special guest from the literary world. It could be a writer, publisher, agent, editor, or anyone else connected with the world of publishing. Plus, we have several special segments related to reading or writing. in the library of a myth behavior. And that means it's time for something from the library of a myth behavior, which regular listeners already know is me. I'm, I'm good at myth behaving. Today I'm recommending Resurrecting Harry by Constance Phillips. This novel is so cool. It's different from anything I'd read before, and I absolutely alo- loved the take on this book. Uh, it's what would happen if Harry Houdini was able to escape his own death and come back and help his wife, Bess, who's not dealing with his death at all. And Harry is given that chance to go back, uh, but he doesn't get to go back as himself. He has to go back as somebody else and, and has to convince her through through that. And of course, I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but it's really a, a fascinating look at all the different what-ifs that could have happened and... Uh, what ifs are something I absolutely thoroughly enjoy as a writer. It's got a lot of mystery to it, paranormal romance, but what an absolutely delightful, delightful book. Well, as you guys know, as you've gotten to know us so very well, that must mean our special guest today is Constance Phillips. Constance, thank you so much for joining and welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, and thanks, Mary, for recommending um, Resurrecting Harry and talking about it so kindly. My pleasure. Uh, it's it's easy to be kind when the book is good. It really is. And we are so thrilled to have you with us today. I've gotten to know you through uh, Crescent Moon Press, which we're both published through them. And so it's a double treat for me, not only to have an author whose book I really like, but also to have someone I've become friends with over the last six, seven months, whatever it is. And uh, you're also the author of Fairy Proof, so Resurrecting Harry is your second book, correct? That's right. Um, Fairy Proof came out last September, yeah, September of last year. Um, it's my spin on the fairy, um, fairies in their world. Um, the heroine is on the run from her brother in an arranged marriage, um, and she's hiding out in the human world, and she meets the hero who's immune to uh, her magic, so um, he's fairy-proof. Cute. It's it, it's a darling premise. And what I love about your books is is they're so different from anything else I'm reading in the in the paranormal genre. Where did you get the idea for Resurrecting Harry? Um, it was just that kind of that take of um, an escape artist who was able to escape death. 
because that would be the ultimate, wouldn't it, to to be able to to escape that. Absolutely. I started playing with that idea, and then when you start thinking about escape artists, I mean, there's there's only one person who really comes to mind as being the best. And that's very true. You got into a lot of research on on the Houdinis, too, I believe. Did you not? Yes, I did. I, I, I did. I did the research, but then... You know, I didn't want to make it a biography, so um, I just took the bits and the pieces and kind of wove those to try to build the characters in my mind. And then, you know, as far as when the story starts, as soon as they meet again on the street, it's a whole new world. So I just kind of took it from there. But I did take some of the history to to um, give it the flavor of what their lives had been like before that. Um, but it, it's by no means a biography, but yeah, I did use some of the, the real history. Yeah, it, it it reads very authentic, and Bess is just, it's so easy to become empathetic with her and sympathetic with her. Uh, I, I love how she turned out. I think I like her probably better, than, almost better than the real Bess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, when, when you're doing a, um, a, a book, a, a fictional read, I mean, you have to have empathetic characters, and I just thought that the the grief, was a place that most people could feel empathy. Um, so yeah, when we when you pick up the book, she's kind of drowning in her grief at that point, and it's her road back. Yeah, uh, I, I think you did a really really excellent job on that. Well, thank you. Of truth and misery. Of Truth and Mythery is a segment where we take a commonly held publishing or writing belief and examine whether it's true or just another myth. Constance, feel free to answer this. Once you have one book published, the second book is easier to promote. Is that truth or a myth? Uh, I mean, in, in one way it is because I already had, I've been through it once, so... I I built some you know a relationship with um, different bloggers and different reviewers and the the paranormal romance websites, so I know who knew who to go to and who to try to get um, to help me to promote the book. But um, in other ways, I mean, it's still you've got to you have to have a quality project product that you're you know that you're representing and standing behind in order to to be able to do well with that. I would think that you would have to do all the same things, book after book after book, if you want it to be successful. And and while some things may seem easier, aren't you doing the same work? Yes. I mean, it's only easier in the sense that the first time I, I didn't have a clue, you know? Right. So you kind of get a clue, and but you still, yeah, it's, you still have to do all the same legwork. So, you know, it it is in some aspects, but in a lot of ways, no. It's You're starting all over from brick one with each book. And that's, that's I'm hearing that from others, and I'll get to experience that soon, too. But uh, it's, it definitely, you, you don't let up. The marketing never stops. No. No, I don't. I I agree with that. I just um, there's so much that comes out every day. So many new titles and um, so many great titles. 
that, um, you know, and readers read a lot and they keep, keep moving. So you have to, you have to come back and you have to remind them who you are and what you have. And, um, yeah, you just can't let up. One of the things I find really fascinating is why genre, why writers choose the genres they do. And you're writing, of course, in paranormal romance, which is extremely popular. What made you choose to write in that genre? Well, we're supposed to write what we love to read, right? <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's always been, like, my favorite to read. Um, love Cheryl and Kenyon, uh, J.R. Ward. Um, I got started with Laurel, Laurel K. Hamilton, so um, I read, you know, that's where I read, and it, it's when I started writing. I mean, I do write contemporary. I haven't been published in contemporary romance yet, but I do write there, those books, and, um, but yeah, I like writing the, about the, you know, the things that go bump in the night, too. And you do it very well. I think you've, you've got a, a really excellent blend of, of, the, of the paranormal and of the romance to, to fit that perfect ter- uh, paranormal romance genre but you do it differently um and and uh, it really is enjoyable i think it's the rom i i tend to write with the romance is the heart of the story and the paranormal elements are um they're there but it's all about the romance i mean that's the way i the way i take my take at it where i where i try to write from anyway well, what I noticed was the character development. Of course, that's usually the first thing that draws me in as a reader. I'm, I'm very character focused. And I think that was what really, uh, stood out with Resurrecting Harry was just how complete these characters seemed. And, you know, that you didn't have the, the kick-ass heroine. You had a, a completely, uh, just devastated person, but devastated for good reasons. I mean, she wasn't like just being whiny to be whiny. She, she'd lost her husband and uh, literally dealing with the grief. And I think all of those other elements really make this an, an absolutely superb paranormal romance. I really do. And I, I mean that sincerely. Thank you. Um I want writing from that, uh, I mean, she wasn't, like you said, she's not really a kick-ass heroine, but I think, or I tried to do is, she's struggling, but she's struggling, she knows it's time to get over it and time to move on, and it's just that process of doing it, um, that's what I tried to convey anyway. Yeah, that comes across. She's not whiny at all, she's just grief-stricken, but, uh, You've got that inner core of her. She's got so many layers, and so does the Harry character too, because you've got the the new guy, and you've got the 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 old guy, and you've got all of these different layers, and then of course you have your your mystery character, and and then even you you're never quite sure who's the bad guy throughout the throughout the book either. So you've just got all of these different layers in there that I I think are are very intriguing to read and they they keep those pages turning they definitely do thank you it's time for myth print tips and tricks of the industry all right it's time for another one of our special segments myth print includes a basic tip concerning writing marketing or anything else to do with the industry constance do you have any tips about writing in general that you can share with our listeners um if we're talking about writing in the hopes of getting pub- 
published, it's just never give up. Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, you write every day, keep submitting, keep knocking on doors. It just comes down to getting the, the right manuscript in the right hands. And sometimes it takes time. It took me a long time to find the right, the person who would get behind me and get behind my work. So, um, there's days when you want to, but if you really want to be published, just, you just can't give up. That's great advice. It really is. Writing is such a process of so many different things. What do you love most about what you do, Constance? Creating the new stories, um, taking that what if and then developing the characters and developing the, um, the story from the ground up. I'm, I'm not a plotter, so it, my first draft's my discovery draft, and I think that's where I have the most fun. Well, after two books, I'm guessing you probably have your writing routines established. Is there anything about that process that you don't like? If I have to pick something, it's probably the submission process because I'm just not very patient. So waiting to get that word back or that feedback, that's just the worst for me. Um, It's hard to push through and, you know, send that and then ignore it while you wait for that answer. I think I would be a lot like you. I'm very impatient. <laughs> it's, I think that's, I, I think a lot of writers would agree with that though. It's the, the waiting. It's like, okay, I sent you the email three minutes ago. Don't you have an answer now? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. And I know, and you know in your head that that's, that's very unrealistic, but exactly. it's still hard. It's just my personality. I, I don't wait well. So. This is a test. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Although I'm getting better at it. I'm, I'm to the point now where I send it off and just say, okay, not gonna, not gonna worry about it, not gonna think about it, and I move on to something else. Although it's still in the back of your mind. Liar, liar, pants on fire. It's still there. It's still there. But you, you do, you do, you, you focus on other things. You know, you focus on other aspects and that helps too, I think. Well, I think and, the key is just get go back to another project and just start writing. And just that's that's what I try to do these days is I hit send and then I pick up whatever project I'm working on and, and get right back to work. And that helps to, you know, push it back a little further in the mind. Well, authors work in so many different ways. Are you a planner outlining everything and making extensive notes or are you one of those pantsers flying by the seat of your pants and letting the book go wherever it will? I consider myself a pantser. Um, I do usually know the beginning and the end and a couple of turning points before I start writing that first draft, but um, just the bare minimum. And it usually takes me uh, 30 to 40 pages or so to get a good handle on my characters and, and really understand the layers that, um, that you were talking about and just get it. And then, then from there, I, I go pretty good. But um, no, I don't have really plot. A girl after my own heart. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mind sharing your next project, a little bit about your next project with us, Constance? Well, I have a bunch of irons in the fire right now. Um, I do have one contemporary that's out on submission, and I'm um, working on another one that um, I'm hoping to have finished up here in the next couple of weeks. And then I've got a um, rough drafts on uh, two follow-ups to Fairy Proof that I want to get back to and get them submission ready. 
So um, the one contemporary is a holiday story, so I'm kind of under the gun um, if I want to get that out because we're, we'll be pushing down deadlines here soon for that. Right. So um, the, the holiday story, it's a, it's a um, rekindled romance, small town, um, second chance kind of story. Kind of similar to uh, Harry, I guess. It's second chance at love, so... And those are always so fun and so popular, too, especially at the holidays. Right. Well, I'm hoping. Well, I, I like those. Ki- I like to read those kind of stories, so I'm having fun writing, writing this one. It sounds very interesting. I mean, I can't wait. We've seen a lot of changes in the publishing industry just in the last couple of years. Do you feel like the changes have impacted your work? And if so, in what ways? And how do you feel about those changes? I think they've opened a lot of doors for both authors and readers. Um, it's given me more places to submit my work. Um, it gives readers more choice, cho- and, and me as a reader too, more places to go um, to find you know different stories that maybe weren't as easy to find on bookstore shelves not that long ago. Great answer. I, yeah, it is a good answer. I and I agree. I agree with that one hundred percent. I I think it really did open open the and it's continuing to open open those doors. Right. Yeah. I yeah. I don't think it's done changing yet. I think we're still going to see more changes coming. Yeah, I think so too. Do you have any um, intuitions as to what you think those changes will be? Mm, no, <laughs> I just. <laughs> See, you know, I don't think we've settled where we're going to settle. You see new technology, I mean, it is growing so fast, too. So it's hard to say where that technology is going to even take the e-readers and or the other ways of getting, actually getting that story in in the different formats it can come in. Um, It's exciting. Yeah. uh, Audio is is getting even more popular again, too, uh, now that you can have digital audio and and, and MP3s. And I I think that's an interesting... uh, option for for readers who become readers slash listeners at that point in time but uh certainly a much more affordable option than it used to be in the past and a very intriguing one right Uh, yeah definitely the myth number is and now it's time for myth nomer our word for the day which today i'm going to pick a phrase and you probably guessed what it is going to be. It's going to be paranormal romance. Constance, this is such a popular genre. Why do you, why do you think paranormal romance is so very popular? Well, um, I have to wonder if it, in some aspect, it's not the whole forbidden fruit. Um, you know, the odd or the exotic, the shifters, the vamps, the angels. Um, uh, seems like we always want what we, we're not necessarily supposed to have. But um, I think it's also popular because it's it's truly, um, when you get into a paranormal romance or a sci-fi or fantasy book, you truly let, leave the world behind that you're, you're living in. It's a complete escape. Um, I mean, that's why I, I like it, to read it. That's a good answer, too. I, I think you're probably pretty pretty close to what the appeal is for, for readers. Because that, that mystery of the the worlds that the, the, the pretend worlds that, that we wish right. were I mean, real. <laughs> I mean, that's the fun thing about writing it too, is being able to build those worlds. Um, 
and that's so. I mean, with resurrecting Harry, it's it's set in the in the mid twenties, but with um, fairy proof, I was even though it was mostly in this world, there was a little bit of the the fairy world that I had to build, and that's always fun. So I'm um, I've been actually uh, building that up even more so for the, the sequels that I have planned. So um, you get a peek at at some world building there. Well, we're going to be looking forward to those. And talking about an imaginary item, if you could have a dinner party with any seven people, living, dead, or fictional, who would you include and why? Well, after doing the research for um, Resurrecting Harry, I would definitely have to have Harry and Bess at a, at a dinner party. Um, and I, I find, through that research, the his tenuous friendship with Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle kind of was very fascinating for me. So I think it'd be fun to have them there, maybe get them to talk it all out, you know, and uh, maybe have a heart-to-heart about pu- you know publishing from then and now. Th- those are good choices. Those are good choices. <laughs> Who else? Oh, you, boy, I don't know. <laughs> so, I think I'd have my hands full with just them. I don't know. So you're going to have a more intimate dinner party. Yes, party. we'll have to do okay. a little more. Okay. Well, you can invite you can invite me and Carla, and we'll help out round well, your numbers. Well, there we go, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Constance, what question do you never get asked in interviews that you wish someone would please ask you, and what would your answer be? Yeah, I don't really have one. I, I kind of... Um... I've done uh, quite a few interviews now between the two books, and I've met so many great people, and you all have such great questions. Um, I don't know. Well, that's fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. I mean, I, I would probably not know what how to answer that question either. So let's try this one. How Everyone has their own personal myths, things a lot of people think about us that may or may not be true their own personal myth behaviors. What myth behavior do people believe about you that is absolutely not true? Well, that's a hard one, too. Um, I, I guess uh, I think that people seem to think I have it all together. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm a little bit more afraid or disorganized maybe than some people think. or Because um, I just know that I, I get a lot of... Um, a lot of people that come to me for advice, you know, or want to know how I did this or how I did that. And I, I really can only answer for my own experiences or, or what knowledge I've picked up. But, um, yeah, I guess that maybe people think I'm a little bit more all put together than I, or more organized than I am. I'll attest to that because she, she does come across as very together because I think I went to her too with some questions and said, hey, and, I, and I love helping people when I can. I, I do. And, um, so I don't mind when people ask me questions. I just, I, uh, um, I'm just struggling along same as everybody else though. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So what misbehavior do people believe about you that is true? Well, I hope that it would be that that I am supportive and that I try to I try to answer those questions for people and try to help people when I can, whether it's you know having them on my blog or or um, shouting out about other books on social media whenever I um, whenever I can. Yeah, you do. 
she did, she that, that is one thing I can I can attest to that as well as she's extremely supportive and generous with her time and helpful and and willing to to get in there and and just you know help the newbie along so you did for me so I I, I thank you for that very much oh you're welcome no problem well Constance this is in our show we want to thank you so much for being our guest we appreciate your information and sharing with us. We, I, I, we just cannot thank you enough. Well, no, I, I, I love the fact that you took the time to, to be with us today. And I think you've given us a fascinating look at what you do. Well, thank you so much for inviting me and having me. This has been a lot of fun. All right. Remember, everyone, you can go to MythBehaving.com for more information about Constance Phillips and links to her books. You can also read her bio and find links to her social media. Don't forget, you can download this episode right on iTunes, or you can listen to it on the MythBehaving.com website. And please take a moment to leave us a positive review on iTunes. That's how we move up the iTunes ladder. So anybody listening to our voices, run over to iTunes and do that right now. (laughs) And thank you for that. And while you're there, you can subscribe to us, too. And again, we thank you for checking us out at mythbehaving.com. Thanks for tuning in to Mythbehaving, and we'll see you again next time. Until next time, I'm Carla. And I'm Mare, and we are Mythbehaving, where reality meets fantasy. See you soon.